charged. Sarge. In five, four, three, two. Extreme close up! That'll be right before the new one comes yeah, out. Yeah, speaking which... of, I sent him pictures of yeah. the new one, mm-hmm. and it looks sick. Yeah. Yeah, it does, man. It's interesting to see because the, the story is going to follow a new character. Mm-hmm. Like, so James Wan's introducing okay. what they're yeah. considering to be a new character. Yeah. Uh, he's like a washed-up MMA fighter, and then he meets all of the legends of Mortal Kombat, oh, right? So nice. Kung Lao, Liu Kang, Sonya Blade, Jax, those people. So I'm wondering if this is a, like, they've already beaten it. You know, they've already won the tournament once, yeah. and mm-hmm. now they're moving into another tournament kind yeah. of thing. Who knows? Who knows? I trust, I trust James Wan to uh, carry on the legacy. So. Yeah, yeah, for, for sure. sure. Plus, I because I was playing a lot of Mortal Kombat 11, I took last week uh-huh. off of work. And uh, I was playing a lot of Mortal Kombat 11, and I was like, no, like in, in the in the the list of great duos throughout mm-hmm. pop culture history, no one. Why does no one bring up the Shaolin connection of Liu Kang and, and um, Kung Lao? They're just they're such a badass team. Like one chapter, you play as like it's like chapter three, you know. Liu Kang and, and Kung Lao. And I said like out loud, I was like, oh, hell yeah. Because mm-hmm. you could play as either Liu Kang or Kung Lao. And Kung Lao is my favorite guy to play as. Mm-hmm. So, But I was like, no one ever talks about the uh, the Shaolin monks. No doubt, man. Uh, you know, they did, what is it? it was PS2 had a, mm-hmm. like one of their branch off games where yeah. you, you played as Liu Kang and Kung Lao fighting through yeah. a, a RPG style game uh, yeah. i remember playing it i don't remember it being super successful but right yeah I, so. oh, it, it's got a cult following i know because mm-hmm. yeah. we follow yeah. one guy who did like an extended like the the video series we so sent you 616 entertainment he does he does he did like he's gone through the entire history of the uh, mortal Kombat games and just like mortal Kombat okay. in general yeah. and i and think we sent you like a two-hour video of like a compilation of his videos, something but, like uh, that. But yeah, his his favorite is Shaolin monks. Mm-hmm. So okay, it's cool. So, okay, yeah. So that's awesome. If uh, if you recognize the voice that's with us, ladies and germs, um, it's Matt. Is, I'm here yeah, every week. That's Matt yeah. is back with us. Welcome back. Hello. Welcome back into the Redcast, everybody. Uh, we are talking about. Uh, when you walked in on us there, hello, uh, yeah. we were talking about Mortal Kombat. It is not a seven-month continuation of the conversation we had with our guests back in the summer. Right. Uh, we just happen to love Mortal Kombat, and we talk about it all the time, every day. Sue me. Especially when we have our guests we have today. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to the Radcast, everybody. I'm Steven. And I'm back. I'm Matt. Hi, Matt. Uh, we are continuing Jean-Claude January. We are in week three. Uh, we are pulling into the station mm-hmm. on the Radcast. We're not there quite yet. We have not reached the end of the road quite yet. We still have one more big blowout, fingers crossed, for our, the final episode. And if you haven't already, checked out weeks one and two. Week yeah. one, where we talk about Lionheart. Mm-hmm. And last week, where we sat down with Nick Woodcock and had a rousing discussion, a... Great discussion about Hard Target. Mm-hmm. About Hard Target, which might be Jean-Claude's best role, um, but let's not discount 
the movie he was in that we're talking about today. We are talking about week three, Jean-Claude January, Universal Soldier. Mm, um, I one think, of his story-driven movies. Yes. And uh, I like how in the story-driven movies, uh, the tournament movies have a certain feel because everything's sur- uh, surrounding the tournament. The mm-hmm. story-driven movies you can be a little broader. And we are not alone in this endeavor. Like last week, we had Nick Woodcock. This week, returning uh, the first guest in Radcast history and the second to last, the penultimate yeah. guest in Radcast history. Tyler Strickland is back with Hello, us. Strickland. Hello, Tyler. What is up, Radcast listeners? Matt, Steve, good to see you guys. Glad to be on the show for a, uh, as you said, penultimate Radcast yeah. Yes, if you like Tyler's voice, so do we. Um, yeah. Go check out, we did 90s Ninja movies, we did Mortal Kombat uh, this past summer, mm-hmm. and also, along with tonight, you may have heard a little bit of a taste of kind of what we're going to be tackling with Sucktastic mm-hmm. Cinema. Tyler will be back with us on Sucktastic Cinema come this March, mm-hmm. but stay tuned in this episode, because we are going to have a good time talking about Universal Soldier, yeah. Tyler, oh, what were you going to say? I something? was just going to say, you brought up 90s Ninja movies, and I keep meaning to tell Tyler this. Tyler, a couple weeks ago, we watched Surf Ninjas with Samantha, our our older sister, and as soon as Ernie Race Jr., ent- like the first time you see him, uh, he comes in on a wave, and he like flips his hair back, and Samantha's like, ugh, he's, he's a human Ninja Turtle. And I was like, that's the perfect <laughs> way to put it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no doubt. Well, and he was yeah, uh, yeah. one of the stunt coordinators oh, yeah. in bodysuit doubles yep. for yeah, the and movie. And Kino. Awesome. Yeah. If, Heck yeah. If Heck you, yeah. If you want to hear us talk about the Ninja Turtles, go back to episodes two and three, where we mm-hmm. talk about the Ninja Turtles, the first movie, and we talk about Surf Ninjas yeah. uh, in a two-part 90s Ninja movies. But we are here, Jean-Claude January, with Tyler, Universal Soldier. Tyler, are you ready? Oh, I am ready to go. I am about as ready as the Korean people, or I'm sorry, that's <laughs> offensive. Vietnamese people were to watch uh, Jean-Claude try and save them. Yes, Ooh. exactly. We'll get into where that reference is going. But first, a little bit of boilerplate stuff. Universal Soldier was released July 10th, 1992. I think I mentioned last week that, I think I still stand by this, uh, that Hard Target was Jean-Claude's biggest yeah. movie to the date that it came out. Mm-hmm. I think Universal Soldier was just as big. Yeah, um, box office. Box office-wise and kind of budget-wise, story-wise. But Hard Target, I still think, was as big up to that point. But I just wanted to clarify that Universal Soldier was just as big. Mm. Um, That came out July 10th, 1992, directed by Roland Emmerich, who directed Independence Day, Stargate, the 1998 Godzilla, which I remember the marketing for that. that Instead of him being a big uh, Godzilla, he was like a big dinosaur. Yeah. And she was like a big dinosaur. Um, uh, And finally, another science fiction movie, The Patriot with Mel Gibson. Ah, yes. Um, (laughs) Yes. Roland has a niche. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Science fiction movies and then the, the singular war movie. Yeah. Well, this is kind of a war movie, too. Yeah. Uh, starring Jean-Claude Van Damme as Luke Devereaux or GR44, Dolph Lundgren as Sergeant Andrew Scott or GR13, Ali Walker as Veronica Roberts, Edo Ross as Colonel Perry, and an appearance by Jerry Orbach as Dr. Christopher Greger. Mm-hmm. I also would like to notate um, and mention the late Tiny Lister oh, yeah. makes an appearance yeah. in this. Um, mm-hmm. I mean... Reckon, hugely recognizable character actor. And Chuck um, Norris's son plays one of the Unisols. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah. Michael Jai White plays a soldier the at the beginning. Yeah. Which, 
he has a connection to the sequel. He yep. is one of the main villains in the sequel. Um, yes, he is. But uh, Tiny Lister, um, a lot of people, he was one of the Unisols. Uh, he passed away in December, mm-hmm. so later in 2020. Uh, played Debo and Friday. He also had several bit parts in movies and TV throughout the 90s and 2000s and up until his death. Um, we wanted to mention him because he gained notoriety as Zeus in No uh, Holds Barred. In no Hold, the WWF-funded film the Hulk Hogan helmed No Holds Barred, which led to Zeus making subsequent appearances in WWF television, like SummerSlam, mm-hmm. um, tagging with the Macho King, Macho Man Randy Savage as King of the Ring, and managed by Scary Sherry or the late great Sherry Martell. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to give a little bit of a shout out to Tiny Lister, a yeah. uh, big man with a big heart. Uh, and box uh, office. Gentlemen, yes. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was he not Marsalis Wallace in Pulp Fiction? No, that's that, uh, Ving Rames. Different. Different guy. Okay, yeah, sorry. Right. They looked a little similar. Sure. And uh, couldn't couldn't quite. When I watched it yesterday, I was like, I think that's Marsalis Wallace, but I was incorrect on that. But I do recognize him from the Friday franchise. Yeah, they, they look yeah. similar. You're two for two on the racist comments today so far. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll take that one back and apologize <laughs> if I offended anybody's sensibilities on that. Canceled. Um, yeah. It was it was an innocent mistake. No, yeah, um, give me shit. Yeah, <laughs> Ving Rhames also is the Arby's guy. Um, so, <laughs> oh yeah, Arby's oh, yeah, enjoy okay. the meat. Yeah, um, and box office of third wasn't he also in Kangaroo Jack? I don't remember. It doesn't I don't know. Matter. Keep going. Uh, box box office thirty six million. That was Anthony Anderson. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> box office of thirty six million on a twenty three million dollar budget. So Universal Soldier. Uh, it's a little funny because. Um, Matt and I, the first time we ever watched it was a few weeks ago. And then we watched it tonight. Mm-hmm. And when we asked you, Tyler, we asked last week, Tyler, would you like to be on Jalco on January? You gave an emphatic yes. Mm-hmm. And we're like, how, f- or no, I asked originally how familiar are you? How familiar are you with Jean-Claude Van Damme's movies? Which I know is a silly question to which you answered. Oh, I'm extremely familiar with his entire catalog. Yes, exactly. Which, <laughs> Which was I, music to our ears. Yes. <laughs> so I was like, what What movies would you want to talk about? Like, which ones do you know the best? And you said, like, Bloodsport, and Kickboxer, and... Uh, and I the, th- quest. And the, the Quest. The Quest. The yeah, Quest. So, yeah. you know, all good ones. All good fun ones, ones to great talk ones, about, yeah. but all tournament movies. Yeah. And we, we're doing and a we, tournament. We're, we're trying to do two tournament, two storyline right. movies. Yeah. So uh, I was like, what else? And you said you said something else, and you said Universal Soldier. And I was like, do you want to come on and talk about Universal Soldier? And you're like, yeah. And then you texted us yesterday saying, so um, <laughs> I have seen the sequel, I now realize. <laughs> uh, so we're like, okay, we can roll with this. So you watched it for the first time yesterday, correct? Yeah, so it, to my recent memory, it was the first time mm-hmm. I had seen that one. Now, I've seen bits and pieces of it prior, mm-hmm. but I'd never seen it from the very first credit, you know, opening credit roll to the very last credit roll right. uh, at the end there credits. I, I, I hadn't, I don't know that I ever remember watching it in its entirety. Mm-hmm. Uh, but growing up in my household, my dad was a very big fan of action movies, specifically those that were done in the eighties mm-hmm. and early nineties. Yep. Um, so if Jean-Claude Van Damme, Bruce Willis, Mel Gibson, yep. Stallone, Schwarzenegger, any of those guys were in it, I've seen it and probably have seen bits and pieces of sure. it as you usually start right in the middle of it when you're flipping through the channels. So. Right. So oh, yeah. when did you, cause I thought that was great. 
Oh, that, that, that your that's whole hilarious. life you're like i love universal soldier and then you're like wait a second my life's been a lie when did you when did you realize that the the one you had seen was not the one we were talking about because you're like i've seen the one with bill goldberg and i was like oh yeah. okay that's not the, the same sequel. one yeah uh, when this one opened in Vietnam, I was like, wait, <laughs> hold on. That's not how this starts. Uh, wait a minute. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, and just realized, and, and honestly, I think, like I said, I, I've seen Dolph Lundgren in his camos, mm-hmm. you know, in the, the grocery store, which I know we'll get to that later yeah. on before, like I, that, that rang right. some memories, but uh, yeah, when it opened up in Vietnam, I was like, that's not how this starts. <laughs> oh, Wait, and so I paused it, and I pulled up IMDb, and I jumped on there, and I was oh. like, "Universal Soldier." Now, there's been several yeah. you know, continuations right. in this series, uh, and I was, I was like, "Wait, this one has Dolph. Where's Bill Goldberg at?" <laughs> oh, that's the second one. I saw the wrong uh, one. So it was a fun realization. Yeah, um, that, but speaking of fun, the sequel's fun as well sure. as this one. The sequel yeah. is 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 a good entry. I, I wouldn't be it. surprised if you were like, "Well." There's Michael Jai White, so this is the sequel, right? But Michael yeah. Jai White is one of those blink and you miss it sort mm-hmm. of things. I yeah. think it was one of those things where I was like, yeah. oh, that's Michael Jai White. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, it reminds me of the time in high school. Matt and I, as you know, Tyler, and as listeners know, because we did an episode about it uh, to kind of kick off season two at the beginning of 2020, uh, we're big fans of The Crow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, in high school, were singing its praises to friends and especially to uh phil geesey who tyler you know phil yeah. and broadcast yeah. listeners phil was just on back in december mm-hmm. talking about jingle all the way with dan lotta phil's been on to talk about die hard yeah what the hell was that Oh, that was a belch, but I <laughs> muted my mic, so it's not going to show up oh. on the podcast. It'll just be really quiet. <laughs> well, I thought, because as soon as he said Dan Lotta, I thought you were like, yeah. <laughs> well, I love Dan Lotta. Dan Lotta is a great man. Yeah, yeah. He, he is a great man. He did a great job. Yeah. Uh, but Phil, for those Rackus listeners, you probably heard him on uh, some of our previous episodes, um, Phil was down to check out the crow when we were in high school and he came to us at Bible study one night and he's like, uh, he's like, you know, I don't know why you guys like that movie so much. And we're like, what? And, uh, he, he kept talking about scenes and stuff that happened in there. We're like, yeah, that you didn't watch the right one. And we're like, which one did you watch? He's like, this one had like Tito Ortiz, Tito Ortiz and, and like angels in it. We're like, you're watching Dennis Hopper's in it. We're like, you're watching Crow Wicked Prayer. <laughs> it's like, like <laughs> that one's terrible. That movie sucks. Yeah, um, yeah I, I agree. That one was a, that one was a reach. It, if it doesn't have Brandon Lee, it's not worth it. It's I true. just I just can't believe a I can't believe Edward Furlong was dating Emmanuel Shariki in that movie. Mm-hmm. I was like that that's. There's opposites attract, and then there's just, I don't believe this. <laughs> there's just too much of a stretch. Yeah. And I don't believe Edward Furlong in that state in his mm-hmm. life, avenging his death and the death of his girlfriend, mm-hmm. like, fighting people. Like, it, he just, he looked like a dorky kid at the bus stop. Like yeah. an anime kid at the bus stop. Yeah. Yeah. Let's be honest. That ca- that guy is nothing without Arnold Schwarzenegger by his side. It's yeah. true. It's which, true. Which is funny. It's it's so funny this connection here because people <laughs> were calling Universal Soldier a T two knockoff. I was reading a RoboCop ripoff too. I've, I've heard both. Too. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely heard both yeah, because the resurrection and yeah yeah because and he starts to have memories because and, where yeah. this one starts and we kind of mentioned it here in the with with Tyler talking about it opens in Vietnam. It opens in Vietnam in 1969 mm-hmm. with uh, 
they're they're trying to the North Vietnamese are trying to take over this city, and their their U.S. troops are trying to like abandon the ab- mission. Aban- yeah, just trying like they're trying to keep them out, but then they have to abandon the mission because yeah. it's gone to shit. Um, and uh, unlike our last couple of Jean Claude movies, he's first thirty seconds. We see Jean Claude Van Damme. Yeah, um, he's the soldier Luke Devereaux, um, and it ends up. He's told by another soldier who's like really frantic that everything's gone to shit and like we need to get out of here and run, run, run. And he goes into this Vietnamese town and he finds Dolph Lundgren, Sergeant mm-hmm. Andrew. I'm going to call him Dolph for the rest of this time. Yeah. But Sergeant, Drago. Yeah. Uh, what? Drago. Drago. Yeah. yeah. I, almost Drago. Said, I almost said Sergeant Andrew Ridgely from the band <laughs> Wham. Um, uh, <laughs> Andrew Scott. He's, he's like, please, Sarge, we have to go, go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and needless to say, Dolph uh, is off his rocker. And yeah. he has some uh, Vietnamese, two young Vietnamese, a uh, young Vietnamese couple being held hostage. And he's, he's, he's spouting off at the mouth about like traitors and everyone's a coward and we yeah. need to finish this mission and blah, finish blah, blah. This war. Yeah. And he, he's clearly that's the underlying theme of this movie is dealing with trauma mm-hmm. and repressed trauma, yeah. especially with something as needless as the Vietnam war, right. the U S's involvement in it. Um, yeah. but pretty much Luke Devereaux trying to talk him down. He's like, Sarge, it is my last tour. I'm, I'm ready to go, I want home. You to go home. And he's like, you're not going to abandon this mission private. And, uh, he's like, shooter and blah, blah, blah. And he's, 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 he's wacky. With, and Dolph Lundgren in this movie is far and away the most interesting, fun character to watch, right. even though he's sadistic and paranoid and a psychopath. Mm-hmm. But he oh, he is so hammy and he yeah. chews the scenery. But his like his accent, not accent, like because he's Swedish, but you can barely tell he has an accent. But the way he talks it's, at some point, it still affects is, his delivery. Yeah, is very theatrical yeah. and very yeah. kind of silly. Tyler, I was curious because. You ob- obviously it it's so glaring how just like and he char- kills Jean Claude in, yeah. in the scene they yeah. kill each other yeah, yeah. anyway sorry it's, go ahead. it's not a spoiler it's the beginning of the movie it's yeah. what it's what causes them to create the yeah. Universal Soldier stuff um, Tyler considering the type of characters you've seen Dolph Lundgren play these stoic kind of badass tough guys what was your response to him throughout the movie kind of being this like over the top. animated matt said hammy animated kind of charismatic but still sinister like heel and villain of a character yeah absolutely so uh dolph you know he's unfortunately he gets a bad rep as a Mm b-rate you know character outside of the rocky franchise right so most of the movies he did weren't super big productions um and and being of swedish descent and having a slight accent him being this they don't ever really tell you his backstory other than he's a sergeant in the military and it's Vietnam. He snaps. Yeah. Uh, it, it was really funny kind of watching him do this because, you know, I was, if I put myself in, you know, the kid watching this movie or even just as an adult mm-hmm. watching it, you have him coming off of, you know, I think probably the biggest film he did prior to this was Rocky. Yeah. And it's, you know, I will break you yeah. kind of attitude to this. Now he's, 
you know, a little a little crazy. Honestly, in some ways, is a little flamboyant with how he acts and how mm-hmm. he does things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I think I think that's the sadistic part of his nature, and, and you know, just being in the war that caused a lot of this grief mm-hmm. um, and suppression. It was interesting. It was it was cool to see him play a role. Um, he was in a movie with Brandon, actually with Brandon Lee. Yeah, the movie showed on a little Tokyo. Yeah. Yep, showed mm-hmm. on a little Tokyo, and he kind of plays a similar. You know, he's I think he's a he's a law officer, yeah. and he kind of gets to keep that role. So it was. Wasn't too surprising seeing him being able to do that, mostly because I've I've seen that movie mm-hmm. several times and have seen him play that role. Right. But even in that movie, he still carries a little of that stoicism and the that grit. And I think honestly, it just lends itself to who he is as a person. Yeah. Like in the '80s, Schwarzenegger and Stallone were big dudes, but Dolph was a, was almost bigger than Schwarzenegger in yeah. some movies. Yeah. And then you look at him in this, and they've they've slimmed him down a little bit, and he's less mass and more cut yeah. and uh definitely like you know hey you've probably been eating some meal you know mr i think it's mres what they're called yeah. and you've been in the jungle for far too long yeah. and you've lost all your mass uh so yeah it was it was an interesting uh i would almost say trope of his is that he he gets to and step out of the the fully stoic mm-hmm. fully i i'm a i'm a badass i can break you to this character who has actual some depth to yeah. him and some some drive some craze in his eyes yeah which speaking of the uh the forests of vietnam they filmed the, those scenes on a golf course in arizona right. <laughs> so, Interesting. So, so i would love to just like there's you know you've got you know a luke devro and you've got jean claude and, and dolph lundgren and they're you know killing each other at the beginning and you've got both of them as they're dying shooting each other in this like very dramatic mm-hmm. over the top you know yeah. death and then you just hear or yeah. like why didn't they why are they still playing golf you just see like a golf ball like land in the mud yeah ronnie dangerfield shows up <laughs> so, i should have said two don't mind if i do you know um but yeah like matt said i mean that scene you know ends and we kind of it's like in a it's kind of like a jarring explosive beginning to the movie yeah um because and then like it fades out and then the U.S. military shows up, and essentially what we kind of notice is the the sergeant who like comes onto the scene. They're like, God, Jesus, you know, ten people dead. It was like as a massacre and blah blah yeah. blah. He's like, you know, what do we write this up as? And he's like, don't. He's like, say they're all MIA and put them on ice. And essentially mm-hmm. what they're doing is it's the beginnings of this like super soldier initiative. Yeah. Um, which would later become the Unisols, Unisols Universal, Universal Soldiers. Soldiers yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, where am I? Oh, so essentially I think mentioned, Tyler mentioned um, they reanimate the corpses of these mm-hmm. dead American soldiers and make them part machine to carry out impossible missions. Uh, the soldiers are expected to mindlessly follow orders of every kind, and uh, the biggest thing is they have their memories wiped and suppressed and makes them susceptible to taking orders. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where you kind of get, because they become part machine. And, and yeah. also, like, the problem is, though, they're, they're, run, they're run at a rate to where they overheat. Yeah. So they have to be, like, put, put on, on ice. ice. Yeah. Well, and, and further, it's not even that they're run at a rate. It's that the re- regeneration process mm-hmm. causes yeah. them to constantly overheat. So right, right. This, this, this process of how they sped up, and it explains, you know, the doctor that they meet later in the movie explains this whole process of why. But, you know, how crazy do you think it is is that, one, you have these, you know, robotic almost soldiers that are humanoids, mm-hmm. but 
constantly having their memories wiped. So they go on a mission, yeah. it completed task, and then they're put in the cooling chamber, and yeah. their memories are wiped immediately yeah. of what happened. Yeah, uh, yeah. interesting concept. Yeah, yeah. and there's because there's always something that you, I mean, you see it with Jean Claude, but mm-hmm. there's always some you you know someone's memories are being jogged by something like mm-hmm. the first mission we see them go on. They're getting out of this transport, which I thought it'd be really funny if uh, they're, you know how all the unisols are getting out of the transport and like on the truck, they're trying to make sure that they see okay. And mm-hmm. like, we see one by one, each unisol and he's like, Oh, this one's too tall. Oh, this one's just my size. So you've got like JCVD, tiny Lister, Dolph Lundgren. And then you see Rob Schneider <laughs> in ill fitting unisol <laughs> uniform, but no one draws attention to it. <laughs> I thought that would be funny. Yeah, like <laughs> Rob Schneider plays a unisol. Yeah, Rob Schneider from like Judge Dredd. He just kind of like scur- like scurries up and then he just says kind of a blank look on his face, but he does that lip thing yeah. he does. But uh, basically, what I was getting at was right. their first first mission we see mm-hmm. them on is uh, rescuing some hostages at the right. Grand Canyon, and we really see. A, the Unisols look badass. Like, yeah. their uniforms are cool. They've got, like, these eyepieces. Mm-hmm. They look like hunters, and they mm-hmm. look really cool. Yeah. And uh, and as they're, like, they're receiving orders, and they're taking out guards one by one, mm-hmm. and then at one point, Dolph Lundgren takes out a guy standing guard and already snaps his neck, but then he puts an exclamation point on it by stomping his face, and mm-hmm. one of the doctors on the truck is like, ooh, I think he's really starting to like this shit. Yeah. He's like, don't be ridiculous. Yeah. So that's a little foreshadowing mm-hmm. to, you know, they start to tap into carnal urges and former memories and stuff yeah. like that. And so, and that's when, yeah. that's when JCVD tapped into that memory of the two Vietnamese people getting executed because there are two Vietnamese hostages yeah. up in the, they're in the Hoover Dam. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and he so you know JCVD sees a what what is essentially the same memory just in a modern time. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Which, and it causes a mass dramatic flashback. Oh yeah. yeah, for sure. Because they're like you know what was his Unisol name for forty four GR forty four. He's like GR forty four. Like he won't answer them. He's like yeah. they're like answer me, answer me. And then he like he looks at like. GR the GR thirteen I think is yeah, is Dolph, Dolph Lundgren and he kind of yep. looks at him and then like he's you can see on his face he's starting to remember yeah. and then there's there's an issue when he gets back within his ranks and when mm-hmm. he gets back into kind of like his like recharging state like the big like recharging vehicle that they're in yeah and like they're they're like they're asking him like why didn't you answer what and like yeah. and they're talking amongst themselves they're like what's like, what's wrong with them and they're like he probably just overheated and blah yeah. blah blah yeah yeah it's interesting because you see him they, you see them questioning him like why why didn't you respond mm-hmm. right. and he he broken in a broken word is talking about like memories and yeah how yeah he had he had like a traumatic flashback yeah, he, that like, caused that oh, it's almost overriding his protocol yeah exactly there. yeah because he's like innocent and they're like innocent what are what the hell are you talking about yeah and like and then but then like on like flips the switch and they're like da 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 and then he like repeats back to them what they yeah. just said and they're like see he's fine yeah um it's funny um kind of going again another little funny thing that I I thought about uh, at the beginning when Jean-Claude is trying to convince Dolph, like, it's like, come on, let's, let's go. I just want to go home. And he's, and he's like, listen, farm boy. And when I first saw it, I was like, farm boy. So you're expecting me to believe that Jean-Claude Van Damme grew up on the farms of Oklahoma. 
He's like, no, he's like, Louisiana. Hey, hey, Luke, wake up. It's like, yes, Papa. Papa, can I go into town? It's like, sure, but just don't get to any trouble. Yes, Papa. You know, it's, but, it, it make, it's well, like it's the further illustration of them trying to assimilate him into an American society and make us believe that he's full-blooded American. That's why they put him in Louisiana. Right. Yeah. Um, With a very French mom. Yeah, yeah. very French and mom an American and an dad. American dad. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, yeah. but it's... Uh, it's the father's last name that usually that culturally yeah. gets put on children. Yeah. So Devro is a French last name, and his dad's like the pastiest, whitest American guy. Yeah. Which th- we watched an alternate ending, and that addresses that, but we'll probably right. get into that yeah. later. Um, but essentially, also around this time, they run into uh, the the love interest. I guess you could Quote say unquote. she is um, the f- his like JCVD's tag team partner in this and yeah. or i guess like sidekick in yeah. this movie so it's a uh, st- it's a street talking like wisecracking tv reporter named veronica veronica roberts roberts, roberts. Yeah. yeah i almost said randolph <laughs> uh, veronica roberts um which she's she's a, a chain smoking like snappy snarky woman of the 90s yeah exactly um <laughs> but uh she shows essentially she shows up to cover the hoover dam for her tv station yeah and uh, she's like talking back to her superior. The hostage situation. Not yes. just the Hoover Dam. And she gets there and she's like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> the electricity in the Hoover Dam is out. <laughs> um, but uh, essentially she shows up to her job late. Yeah. And, uh, Tyler, thoughts on Veronica and why she's the worst character in this movie? <laughs> oh, absolutely. So, you know, it's a 90s action flick. Uh, they're playing off of the major success of all the 80s movies. Yeah. And in most of those 80s movies, you had to have someone who was somewhat attractive to be sure. the love interest. Uh, so I think they found a uh, f- fairly attractive lady yeah. to be, you know, to play the part. And they gave her some attitude and some spunk. Yeah. And uh, But hands down, yeah, I mean, worst character next to the creepy uh, front desk guy at the hotel they yeah. stay at. Hundred percent, just yeah, and and I I just want to clarify and say she's not the worst because she's no. like a snappy snarky I like woman the of the snappy, 90s. I especially like snappy spunky it's, like it's female the female character. It's the fact that she was almost always that the whole movie, even in moments of tension. Like she almost like she had to say something. Like there couldn't be any silence or like mm-hmm. facial reaction or anything. And then they tried to make you care about her like middle but towards the end you're like there hasn't been any moments of redemption or vulnerability or connection like deep connection to Mm -hmm. to luke devro so i don't know i feel like that teamed with the fact that they tried to develop her character like take her character development to a certain point really fast Mm -hmm. i don't know it's just every time she said something i was like you don't have to say something in this scene like during like during the the chase with the unisol transport and the police bus like she's trying yeah. to hunt down the grenade she's like oh oh like i don't, I don't know where to find it it's like it's just just frantically look for the grenade and throw it out you don't have to say i don't know it's just it's just i don't like when movies like paint a character one way and they're one note and then they try and do this the standard make you mm-hmm. cheer for them and root for yeah. them and like them just yeah. like that mm-hmm. like there's got to be a progression yeah yeah, unfortunately, it was poor character development on behalf of the director and writers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're giving giving her just a flat personality, yeah. and and not to say that she's a flat character, just her personality never moves from sure. what it is, which is just overly spunky. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and and you know, 
yeah, she's a woman of the '90s. Like, yeah. let's talk, we could dive into '90s culture and why girl power was a huge deal back yeah. then, and it still is today. Sure. It absolutely, is important. Yeah. Uh, you know, the dawn of that happening. Unfortunately, it left out those vulnerable moments where mm-hmm. she could show fear yeah. or she could show, um, you know, that she truly cared. Even yeah. in those moments where she was like supposed to be like this caring person, it was just static. Of, yeah well, I'm going to be blah, blah, blah. You know, it's, yeah. no, mm-hmm. okay, you failed there. Yeah, yeah exactly. We're, we already, we, you've already been established as the quippy, snappy mm-hmm. news reporter who does what she can to get the story, which yeah. gets her in some deep shit and gets her cameraman killed, yeah. which is how she gets in the crosshairs that blood of is the on your hands. Yeah. yeah. Um, so she tries to get her own scoop after being fired on, on what the Unisols are doing. And uh, she gets caught up and all that. She's in the middle of she. She's in she's she's in big doo doo. She's and, sticking her nose where it doesn't belong. Yeah, exactly. And uh, they kind of corner her and her cameraman. Yeah. And they're like, you know, bring bring them here. Like they're not. They don't have the the general who's in charge of the Unisols. He doesn't have any intention of like it's like take her film and bring them. It's like he's like he doesn't back. want to do yeah. anything lethal. But what happens is. Dolph Lundgren's character, his true nature starts coming out and he shoots the cameraman in the head and she's like frantic and like yeah. traumatized by it. And like now Jean-Claude Van Damme's starting to remember yeah. who, who, you know, GR 13 mm-hmm. Dolph Lundgren really was and uh, kind of reminiscent of, you are uh, burping you are today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah sorry <laughs> that is uh that is the beer that i had it was a hazy ipa from uh a brewery in drango but oh, okay. uh, See, sorry the sudsiest... I, I mute my mic when it happens so that it doesn't show up in the audio so there everyone's gonna hear you guys go man you are burping and they're gonna call you liars <laughs> I didn't hear, there's I didn't, no proof that it hear. actually happened we're just trying to get you engaged in the conversation so we're just gonna throw out random thoughts <laughs> I will say she she is a very um, she's a very fitting role for that yeah. type of movie. Like, oh yeah, you know she she and and I'll be honest, I I looked up who she was because I was like oh, I recognize her from something, yeah. and she's been you know a character in some other things, but uh, she is like a fine wine. She's gotten better with age. Yeah, she, did you watch Sons like, of Anarchy? Yes, yeah, so she's the ATF agent, and, or like yep. the main ATF she's agent. She's also the mom and Kazam. This is true. Yeah, yeah, she is. She's the mom and Kazam. Uh, you know, not Shazam, the yeah. uh, the, the, the DC movie. Yeah. Um, the DC movie. And then the DC Kazam. character. Kazam. Yeah. With Shaq. Kazam yeah. but with Shaq. I will say she she played what what she needed to start as, and it's, it's what she was, is a snarky kind of, you know, plays by her own rules uh sarcastic yeah. journalist and that's fine she played that really yeah. well the problem is when she needed to start she needed to showing some humanity yeah. and soften it was the same thing that's yeah. what i was kind of saying so yeah at the beginning of the movie and the first several scenes like when they're being when her and luke are being pursued yeah um it's like okay no this really works yeah. but it's it's when she needed to switch it yeah. didn't switch like mm-hmm. it needed to switch a few scenes ago and it hadn't happened yet right and you know, like Matt said, they're being pursued after that because now Luke is getting her out of the melee that's about to ensue between the Unisols hunting yeah. her down. Now the Unisols are after Luke and Veronica, and they end up um, Veronica and Luke. Uh, well, the the car they're in runs out of gas, like yeah. in the middle of nowhere. So Luke just ends up 
pushing it all the way to a gas station yeah. slash motel. Uh, Tyler, the motel you mentioned briefly, the motel, the guy behind the desk at the motel, one of the most needless characters <laughs> because nothing, it was the, the humor quote unquote was sandwiched in between tension, but not like it wasn't done well. Yeah. You didn't really feel any levity from it. No, not at all. You know, you, you, they walk in and she's, it's a stereotypical uh, trope that movies have done. I mean, most recently I watched the movie Grind and they mm-hmm. make fun of this same kind of thing where they're stopping at this cheap motel in the middle of nowhere for the night and the dude that runs the place is really creepy and awkward. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, that, that's a trope in movies. And the problem was that the guy the guy that played the character, he, he was trying to be overly funny, but he wasn't funny at all. Right. Uh, kind of, the, the, like the humor was just lost. The only thing you wanted that was funny about it was the fact that you could make fun of the guy for one, still living with his mother in his yeah. what could only be considered probably late 40s. Yeah. Uh, you know, this balding and gray hair, um, you know, he's taking advantage of people because they probably don't have anyone staying there. Right. Uh, so, I mean, yeah. just, just the, the hilarity of it is that you can step outside of that character and laugh at who he is, right. uh, laugh at the situation that he's in, um, and really just joke about that or riff on it. Mm. Uh, but within the movie, yeah, it just like tension, 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 this out of place humor that builds even more tension. Right. Um, it's a 90s action flick. What do you expect? Yeah. But yeah, because they're being pursued and you just like, it's it's intense. Like mm-hmm. when they leave the compound and they're being pursued and like Jean-Claude is overheating. So he's like, he's in danger. Mm-hmm. And then like you said, yeah, it was just really, it was really forced. Like yeah. you could, you could tell they were kind of trying too hard. And that was kind of the theme of not only that, those, I call them like the pit stop side characters it almost seemed like every because they would encounter a few more as of being pursued you know on Mm -hmm. their you know on their trip and almost all of them either had attitude or they like an unnecessary attitude sometimes like they just had Mm -hmm. just a it's like why are you pissed off at them they're ordering food yeah exactly like what's your problem or they tried to play like they had attitude and they tried to play it for humor but you're in the midst of this intense chase and now you're just throwing like jokey kooky characters out Mm -hmm. there it just didn't land it felt kind of weird yeah yeah and although veronica like right before they headed off in the direction of the motel she takes luke's headset off which is how the they're people, able to communicate this, yeah, yeah which is how in the transport they're able to communicate and see him but it's revealed that he also has a tracker and um but i will point out the running gag tyler since you're so familiar with jean-claude van damme movies the running theme in a lot of jean-claude's movies is we get a jean-claude ass shot yes which, um, oh yes yeah. i'm so glad we brought this up of this course. is something i notated uh when i t- when I talked to you guys a little bit about this yeah, is yeah. the the tropes of G- yeah. you know uh, jean-claude in these movies uh the thing that that was missing we'll talk about in a second but yeah the the rear end derriere mm-hmm. bare butt shot you yeah. get of jean-claude uh, most movies, he's either in a pair of you know skivvies that yep. are almost like whitey tidies, or <laughs> yep. you know way too revealing, or just a straight up bare bottom shot. Yeah, uh, you know, and you see that as he strips down and stands in front of an air conditioning vent trying to get cool. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. And and I say this, I've I said it in the Lionheart episode, um, which come to think of it, 
they, we didn't have an ass shot in hard target right. or splits. We had an ass shot in this one, but no splits. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, no splits. Jean Claude's got he's got a nice rumpus, hey, man. He's, he's a nice. He takes care of himself. Or he took a, care of himself. He's a built dude. He's yeah. A, um, he is a very built dude, yeah. especially like dude was shredded. Yeah, yeah, like especially with his thighs were like tree trunks. Yeah. Um. So I mean, by process, you know, of when you work your legs, your glutes get worked too. Uh, we got two ass shots in here. Like Tyler said, one of them was in he's trying <laughs> oh, to cool yeah, himself yeah. down, and then the other one, um, Veronica's trying to use a phone to call the police. And at this point, she's been framed for a cameraman's murder, so now yeah. she's on the quote unquote lamb, yeah. along with Luke on the lamb from the Unisols. Um, Why didn't they call this movie Luke on the Lamb? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, but uh. uh it, it, Universal Soldier Three, Luke on the line. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, like she, so Veronica's leaving the motel lobby or the main building of the motel. She just had yeah. a spat with the over-the-top hotel manager, yeah. and he's like, Luke is walking out naked. It's like you're he, in danger. Yeah. So I wanted to point out. Luke is kind of a mouth-breathing, kind of a slack-jawed simpleton, and this like, not to not like. George from or uh, um, Lenny. Lenny, not like Lenny from A Mice and Men or Forrest Gump, like yeah. that. But like he's he he's very robotic and simple. As he because, should be, yeah, as he should be. But the the problem I bring up is as Dolph Lundgren starts getting his personality back. You see, he's quippy and he's yeah. intelligent. But Luke, although he's getting his personality back, we know he's not a dullard because like he they in the exchange they had, yeah. he seemed like he had some like some character development yeah. but for the rest of the movie he's very like childlike yeah. in a way he's jean he's jean-claude van damme trying to act exactly <laughs> yeah 100 yeah because um, it, it it i guess it is more of a a quote-unquote serious because he's yeah. not he's not supposed to have any funny moments or yeah. one-liners he's or and play it as that jean-claude van character yeah. he's he needs to play the stoic in the midst of like yeah wild things that happen and, and the i pointed this out the first time we watched it i think part of the and tyler you'll probably agree with me part of the fun in jean claude movies is when he's trying to act and have a personality and it's just not sticking mm-hmm. like that's part of the fun whereas in this movie he like he's supposed to be like stoic and robotic so it's not as fun to watch people trying to yeah. act around him mm-hmm. right it's almost like this role they were like all right, we're going to make this movie about dead people that we bring back to life mm-hmm. and turn them into super soldiers that are robotically controlled by voice command. What actors could we get to fill this role? Oh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. That's the first yeah, one we need to cast. Go. Like it was just yeah. he's almost it was almost a tight cast, let's be honest yeah. here. And the second uh, is Rob know, Schneider. <laughs> <laughs> dude honestly i think rob schneider should have played the clerk at the desk and the and they should have just let him play the clerk yeah. at the gas station mm-hmm. yeah any role that was like that comedic role right. it would have just made the movie all better yeah yeah. The, um, yeah it's like hey i i got a business to run here what are you doing in there like get, get out of the bathroom yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah I, you know honestly it was it was weird trying to see other people act around him mm-hmm. however most of the actors in this movie aren't great actors or actresses right. Right. at that time anyway right. so it it works. It works. You know, it lends it to itself. There, I will say, uh, seeing him like as he gets his memories back, and even trying to like what little bit you get of him in the beginning of the movie, and trying to connect that through. Mm-hmm. You know, you see the 
the sadist that Dolph's character is from the get-go. Yeah. I mean, he's sitting there, he's lopped off everybody's ear, and he's putting them on a necklace. Like, that's mm-hmm. that that enough is to say, like, okay, this dude means business, and he is pure evil. Yeah. Uh, Jean-Claude's character is still pretty Jean-Claude yeah. from the beginning. Luke is, is, is just Jean-Claude Van Damme if he were, you know, to fight in the Vietnam War and then be turned into a super soldier. Like that's all this right. is. This yeah. is just John Claude Van Damme as John Claude Van Damme. Pitch perfect. Uh, you know, he's playing himself. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think it's it's the minimalistic approach to it that yeah. makes it one of his I, I get one of his better roles. Not I don't know how much that's saying. Yeah. But like um last week we mentioned how in Hard Target as well, he can be a serviceable actor. Sure. You know, when yeah. given the right script and the right part. Um the you, part here was um Zombie. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Robotic zombie. Yeah. Um, But Tyler, you mentioned the sadism that was innately already in Dolph Lundgren that couldn't be repressed um, like his memories could. I think it really picks up. I think for me, it really picks up when he starts, when Dolph Lundgren starts to remember who he is and he starts talking about like, traitors and like mm-hmm. this is a war and blah, blah blah and he starts reverting back to his mindset in vietnam mm-hmm. because that's when more of his character and more of his camp comes yeah. out and like we see more of this like over the top villain mm-hmm. and it just makes it more fun because you see um his reaction to those you know side of the road characters yeah. um or you know his his interactions with people and just how he's trying to hunt Devro and his yeah. feelings and thoughts on it. Um, so I really like how it's, it's, it becomes less about the Unisols after that point and becomes more about um, these two soldiers who experienced this trauma mm-hmm. in Vietnam yeah. um, and the unresolved issues that came about from their untimely deaths. Yeah. So Luke wants to get home and that's essentially what Luke's trying to do and what Veronica wants to do um, after she like, cause they, they kind of infiltrate the carrier of yeah. the Unisol carrier and, and take get, like documents yeah. about the Unisol program and stuff yeah. because she's trying to get a story. She's trying to get to the right. bottom of it, right? essentially to redeem herself, but all, you know, yeah, to redeem yeah. herself and, and, you know, in a way, trying to understand yeah. Luke. But Luke, before he got gunned down in Nam, he just wanted to go home, and Andrew just wants to mow down traitors. So yeah. those kind of picking up where they both left off, mm-hmm. uh, these unresolved things that yeah they died with. Yeah, we were talking about trademarks of these movies, mm-hmm. and Tyler, a trademark I'm sure you've noticed in Jean Claude movies is there's always got to be a scene. Even if it doesn't pertain to the story, mm-hmm. there's got to be a scene to where Jean Claude takes on four or five guys. Like it's some, something leads up to it, whether it's it's the beginning of the movie, in this case, kind of the middle of the movie. But he's he's got to have a martial arts display. Yeah. He's kind of yeah. mindlessly eating all these meals at a diner. Yeah. And, and for a while, I was like, man, this is just kind of just straight action, not much martial arts. But then that scene in the diner came up, and I was like, that's right. So we do get our four on one JCVD yeah. scene. Yeah. Yeah, man. So uh, to quote my fa- or to to reference my favorite one of his, which is Bloodsport. Yes. You see it when he walks through. He's walking through to the tournament after he's you know 
been almost killed and things like that. Mm-hmm. And you see him beating up all these dudes. It happens in Kickboxer when he's drunk at the bar. Yeah. It's kind of his test. You know, he, he dances with the uh, the ladies from Thailand. Beautifully. And then, dances uh, beautifully. Yeah, beautifully dances. <laughs> does, the, you know, does the splits several times oh, yeah. with the butt shake and everything. Oh, and, it's so classic. Uh, absolutely that whole dance scene's funny oh, yeah. um, sidebar in that movie they, they've redone those movies with a new actor mm-hmm. where Jean-Claude plays the trainer and uh, at the end credits of one of the movie is literally the guy who plays uh, his character his character the new actor uh-huh. yeah. repeating that dance that's, <laughs> that's awesome look awesome. it up on YouTube uh, if, if you're a fan of the kickboxer movie and you like that dance scene yeah. uh, just you could google it it's going to be on YouTube and it's it's an awesome just kind of a tip of the hat to to Jean-Claude that's awesome but yeah you see him, you see him in a restaurant where these, we'll, we'll call them rednecks for lack of a better term, yeah. from Utah or I think they're in Utah at that point. Yeah, are you, these, is Utah known for their rednecks? <laughs> I uh, maybe I don't sure, know. I, I, don't I think know. every state has has some part of country bumpkin sure. in them that just is what it is. These guys are a bunch of ref, roughneck yeah, yeah. rednecks, and uh, yeah, you see them have no money and he's still kind of figuring out who he is and he's like oh i don't i don't have any money yeah and so the chef yeah yeah the cook comes out and he's you know griping and he's he looks at this guy now i'm gonna give him his due here and say you know jean claude's he's a bigger dude he's i mean he's not a small dude by any means but there's no way if I'm in that dude's shoes, I'm coming out and insulting this guy. Like, right. His biceps are bigger than my head. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. But this dude's ego was a bigger, you know, had more money to it than he probably had in his bank account. Yeah. And so he decides to confront Jean-Claude and Jean-Claude's like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> yes. And He's like, I don't want to hurt no you. no effort at all. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and with no effort at all, just disposes, mm-hmm. disposes of this guy. And then everybody else, you know, yeah. in the oh, yeah. restaurant decides to join in. These dudes shooting pool and... Man, he just he clings their clocks, and at the very end, the climax is he puts one of them through glass, yeah. Yeah. and the the you know Veronica's like, oh man, what's going on here? Uh, and so she she disperses of them, and it's it's just classic. it's so funny because the guy shooting pool like they have these looks on their face like they have they have nothing to do with this cook. It's not like he's a buddy of theirs or the waitress or whatever. They're standing there, and the way they kind of start fighting him, it's like. Uh, okay, I, I guess we're yeah, supposed guess. to fight him now. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, and one one of the guys gets his ass kicked, and then that's all. That's always the funny thing in in these action movies is the one on one. Like when it's ever it's four on one, that you know you always got to take your turn getting your ass kicked. Mm-hmm. And like it's so funny that someone can stand by and see someone get their ass kicked, and they're like, "I'm gonna try too." <laughs> yeah. yeah, and one guy tried twice. <laughs> yeah, he's like, "All right, I'm gonna make you bleed." It's like he just knocked you out. Mm-hmm. So funny little scene um and when the the chef came out steven is like is that mr belding because <laughs> he kind of looked like mr belding from like saved by the bell yeah. yeah um so now we're at the part we've mentioned it a couple times it's one of the more notable scenes um because you really get to see how often like unhinged yeah dolph longer and and like in these repressed memories really in this repressed trauma really coming to the surface and it all takes place and then whoa <laughs> you okay yeah it's I almost i just keep myself from wrong pipe oh, okay. um it all takes place in the meat department of a grocery store oh yeah yeah uh, so tyler you mentioned it and uh you talked about how we need to talk about it so why don't you why don't you let us know what happened in this particular <laughs> scene yeah so uh scene opens and Dolph Lundgren is dragging two unisols that are one is 
Well, they're both kind of burnt to mm-hmm. to shit. Uh, yeah. One is actually because he was caught. He was burned. It was caught on fire. The other yeah. one is because you know a dude tried to tried to blow up the like the, the transport MCC, the mobile combat yeah, yeah. center. Yeah, and and instead got stuck and killed himself with a grenade. And so he's he's had some you know he's got some black char on him from yeah. an mm-hmm. explosion. So he's dragging these dudes through, and neither of them are small guys. Let's, yeah. let's no. add to that. So that just kind of shows the, the the beefiness of these dudes. He's dragging them through a grocery store, and everyone's freaking out uh, in small town Utah. And he he's like where's the freezer yeah. and so yeah, this yeah. dude this little kid is like nine yeah, yeah he's like, like 14 12 15 year old kid working yeah. a part-time job something with a staple gun is yeah. like uh it's back there it's so he didn't say i got your in. freezer and with a staple gun yeah. <laughs> dude i think i think i think you know uh gr13 would have just shot him Ro- rob schneider could have played that kid <laughs> oh dude that would have been perfect for rob schneider <laughs> he's like oh uh, 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 back there <laughs> Back there, uh, so he drags him back, puts him in there, and he starts kicking him. Like, wake up, come on, I need you, because uh, you know he doesn't want to have to take yeah, on yeah. your feet, by soldier. Like that. Soldiers yeah. are dropping like flies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so he, yeah. So then he he walks out. And uh, after he gets one of them to wake up, uh, the dude that's actually bigger than him, I didn't know they made guys bigger than mm. Schwarzenegger <laughs> and Dolph right. in the 90s, 80s and 90s, but apparently they, but did, they did, and that guy was yeah. in the movie. Uh, and so this dude walks out, this Unisol, it's just, he's blasted out of his mind, grabs a raw London broil, which is a massive piece of yeah. steak, and just starts eating it like like an animal. Yeah. Uh, and Dolph comes out and starts talking to everybody about traitors and this war needs to end. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden the cops come storming in after all the, the participants that are sitting there and the, the shoppers are like freaking out, yeah. looking at this crazy dude talking about Vietnam, which has been over for about 25 years mm-hmm. at that point. Plus, and, uh, he pulls a gun and he just weighs oh, the lace yeah. and chews up all these officers that had come in. And <laughs> it's quick work of them. Just, yeah. Oh, extremely quick work. And, man, I wish that I had written down some of his quotes because it's just, like, it, it's almost so bad yeah. that it's comedic brass. Like, oh, yeah. It's not bronze. It's not silver. Yeah. It's not gold. It's comedic brass yeah. because it's enough that you can laugh at it, but not enough that you're on in a side stitch rolling yeah. laughing and want to quote it later it's on. It's so over the top, like, his performance and some of the um, unsavory uh, language he uses to refer to Vietnamese people. Right. Um, it's so that those fly in today's time, right? Exactly. Those two things like his over the top performance and that it's almost like he's, he doesn't have much of an accent, but he's trying to cover an accent. Like, that's that's the thing is with people who with Dolph Lundgren, I think is he's more articulate than Jean-Claude Van Damme. Definitely. His accent isn't as prominent, Uh so prominent. And Jean-Claude Van Damme has this in his movies too. There are times, especially kind of in kind of farther off shots, mm-hmm. where it, there's such a clear ADR. Yeah. Um, and even if it, it's not an ADR, just the way their delivery yeah. is is made different by their yeah. accent. So it just looks like, yeah. it, it kind of looks like somebody else's. Like when Dolph Lundgren's like, you get on your feet, soldier. I yeah. think it's also because he doesn't. He didn't talk much unless like yeah. you watch Masters of the Universe and the Punisher, you realize why yeah. like he didn't talk much. Yeah. Um but it's when like, he, this yeah. war is not over. Yeah. Uh, it's like, listen here, drop it like flies. <laughs> and like it You know, he called Sly the night before. He's like, Sly, I got this role, what should I do? He's like, Just talk like this. Hey, <laughs> you work for me. <laughs> <laughs> work for me, big daddy. <laughs> yeah, <it's> like, um <laughs> 
Don't and I know we're we're kind of we're ragging on Dolph longer and no, a lot he, of, he's the best part of he, this movie. He chews yeah. up the scenery like that the the way he delivers those lines and kind of the ham because it's because fun because it's, it's so hammy. hammy. Yeah, he he has the most fun to watch performance yeah, for sure. Yep. Yeah, you you couldn't have put schwarzenegger in that role or stallone in that role you would not have been able to understand them so at least dolph can articulate uh some of his lines there the the what probably 15 to 20 minutes of dialogue in the whole movie that he has yeah uh because most of it is just sound effects and music building Mm -hmm. things like that or he says like uh, a couple words or something yeah, enough that it's like you know if he if he does have an accent, it's it's enough that you can hide it or or at least play on it a little less. Yeah, uh, you know, and I, I've I've often wondered because if you think about some of the the big stars from that time era, if they weren't Mel Gibson or you know Bruce Willis, they they really all had some type of foreign accent that that they were coming to America with, which is super impressive because that means they, they know more than one language. Right. And then Stallone is just Stallone. Like, okay, whatever. I think the guy actually had been hit in the head too many times. Uh, and it kind of developed the, the the Stallone voice, you know, which is iconic. I love Sly. Absolutely. Sly is amazing. I would never say a poor word against him. The dude is, I don't even know how old he is, but if you see him in Expendables, something crazy, and he's still pretty ripped, um, which is super impressive. Oh, yeah. Uh, You know, all those dudes. But, uh, But yeah, yeah, you know, you you get Dolph in the movie, and and, um, for for a villain, man, he really really fills that role out. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. And, uh, yeah, a lot of foreign imports. Um, Steven Seagal was a manatee who washed up on shore. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, and he yeah. somehow convinced the world that he could do karate. So, yeah. you know. Um, but we're to the point in the movie now to where they meet. It's the lone appearance of Jerry Orbach. Yeah. And he's Dr. Gregor. And this is where we kind of see. We get the exposition. Exposition on, the program, on like yeah. the, the beginning, the beginnings and the, the, the reason for the Unisols yeah. and kind of what it became. And then he, you know, pretty much sends them on their way um and now veronica's like i you know i want to get you home and you know i you know you get home don't worry about me i'll clear my name and blah 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 and then the police have eventually caught up with them and then this is where they're in the back of the prison bus and then the the unisol transport being driven by the only other living unisol the one guy who's eating the the steak steak. Yeah. yeah um and you know andrew um you know Dolph Lundgren's character yeah. is armed to the teeth. Yeah. Like, and he's like, this is where he's throwing grenades in and like, and shooting out the bus driver. One of the best like car chases, even though it's not two cars, mm-hmm. but one of the best like action pursuits in any action movie. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you say so, Tyler? Yeah, man. That scene was so great. It lo- Dolph Lundgren looks like a kid at a carnival yeah. game where he's trying to throw the baseball at the three milk you know milk jug vessels and knock him down like that's what he looks like he's like laughing you know maniacally and throwing these one-liners in this bus yeah yeah and and miraculously the grenades hit the ground she veronica finds them and is able to dispose of them out of the bus before they explode you know like okay whatever whatever. like it's just as soon as she puts it out the window it explodes perfectly you know this is like this is the start we're about to start the third act of the movie yeah i'd say we're probably kind of Mm. already in it but like this is where it really starts to amp up Dolph Lundgren's performance. Mm. He goes, you better check on your driver. 
he's not looking too good. Yeah. Like right after he like shoots him. Yeah. Um, he's just, yeah, he shoots the guy. Yeah. Like blood. Tyler said, he looks like he's having a ball. And then eventually the transport kind of dries off the edge of the Grand Canyon. Which we get another kind of JCVD trope that we haven't really talked about. It's more prevalent kind of in the more quote unquote story driven movies, but like the dramatic slow-mo jump like out of a vehicle or mm-hmm. off of a like off of a platform right. it's usually followed by some explosion or something mm-hmm. but i don't know it's very distinct you know the 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 slow motion running and the slow motion jumping uh-huh. he jumps out of the bus right before it flies over the you know the edge of the canyon mm-hmm. so it's just a kind of small <laughs> thing yeah yeah, yeah it, you know it, it it's great it it's funny because you know there's there's a couple things that you you could play an audio clip of it and you know it's it's you know Jean Claude, and one of them is the way that he uh, like grunts and or like when he takes a hit yeah. or anything like that. It's like, <laughs> you know, uh, and and it's made famous by all of his tournament style movies yeah. because he's constantly getting his ass handed to him there. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you put him in a story driven movie, give him that, you still have to keep those things going. And it, it honestly, it, it's because that's just who he is. Right. Like, I imagine that if I was sparring with him and I hit him good, he'd be like, Ugh. yeah, he's well, and he's two notes in terms of, and in, in terms of expression and his acting, right. he's, he's kind of the, the monotone. We have to get you home. Like he's kind of like this. He's like, ah, yeah, like, like that. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. And we'll talk about it, you know, cro- fingers crossed, talk about Bloodsport next week. Like when he gets the crap thrown in his eyes in Bloodsport, he's like, ah, like the famous like Classic, wide-eyed, yeah. like blinding yeah. look on his face. Um, but like we said, the transport goes off along with the bus. And we think that's the end of Dolph Lundgren. You know, Luke gets home, Veronica, like like this is where we see his French mom and his pasty white American dad <laughs> yeah. played by Rance Howard. Yeah. Um, second Second appearance of Rance Howard yes. on here because we talked about him <laughs> in the, the Grinch. Grinch. That's yeah. my best stuff. Um, but uh, um, so now Luke's home and his parents are so happy to see him because again at the beginning of the movie they weren't told he was dead they were told he was missing in action. Yeah. So even though he looks the same way he did when he left right. from Vietnam, but again but, the al- there's the alternate ending makes more sense and reference to his parents yeah. being how they are, which we'll get um, to that. Yeah. yeah. But it all leads to like Veronica's getting ready to go. She has like a news tr- truck meeting her at the police station so she can clear her name and she's in the car and she's like, well, where the hell are the keys? And then this is Dolph Lundgren drops yeah. the keys in his hand. Like we see the, his, uh, his ear necklace. Yeah. And he's looking for something. And then we finally get a showdown between Luke, this and is what Dolph we Lundgren. wanted, baby. And I, we, I don't, we haven't mentioned yet, um, the Unisols to help with the regeneration, kind of help with their strength oh, and yeah. healing factor. They have like these steroids, this serum, yeah, and like these steroids they put in. So periodically, Dolph Lundgren's been sticking himself with this serum, yeah. So he has like superhuman strength, and he's kicking the shit out of Jean Claude Van Damme at the beginning of the fight until eventually they yeah, get man. in, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. High conspiracy here is that uh, this is the super ser- super soldier serum that uh, you know Captain America takes and ah, it's just being adapted it's just, there. Let's talk about okay. this. Okay. Then, then it's, then it's I'll, also I'll accept all any and all also conspiracy theories. The yeah. venom that made Bane the way he was in Batman and Robin. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, man. Same, same, same serum. Just, uh, you know, it's all included in the same universe. Yeah, exactly. Let's be honest about this that. This is the second movie where, um, just put a skull and crossbones on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is the second movie that we get to see Dolph Lundgren get injected with steroids. 
Uh, yes, the first that's one true. being Rocky Four. Rocky yes. Four. Yeah. And um, uh, I think in Kindergarten Cop Two that happened as well. Yes, but that's later. Yeah. Right. Um, he had, he had uh, Bill Bellamy do it to it right in the butt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right in the cheek, Bill. Just a little muscle you'll find it there. Like, don't break the needle. Off. We're rolling. We're rolling. <laughs> you just call oh, him Bill. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. I've never seen Kindergarten Cop. Neither two. have I. Um, but. They don't just film anything, right? <laughs> uh, so, but this this is the 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 best scene for Dolph Lundgren because he mm. he was chewing up the scenery before. Now he's like full, yeah. just opens unha- unhinges his jaw yeah. and starts just chowing down he's, on the he's scenery. He's got Veronica tied up. She finally gets untied, starts running away, mm-hmm. and like he tosses a grenade. Yeah, and it like explodes in slow mo. And he's like, yeah, like he thinks really, he's killed her. Yeah, it's really like over dramatic and then and, like way over the top. Yeah, yeah. like the music intensifies, yeah. and we get Jean Claude rising slowly badass the flames. Badass shot of him rising slowly. Yeah. yeah, the flames in the background, and he's got a good like intense look, like mm-hmm. a badass like hero look. Like yeah, like there's a reason why he's an action star. Oh, yeah, and it it, it it feels goofy when he does things in movies. Um, and since we're talking about him referencing his catalog, like. In Kickboxer, like it was goofy seeing him dance and yeah. smile yeah, and be like exactly. this weird charismatic guy. And I imagine that if he did a French film where he's speaking in his, I think, I think French is his native language. I think so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think if if we did if he did a movie like that, you would imagine he's probably similar to like how we get Jackie Chan and Jackie Chan's kind of funny. Yeah. And honestly, that's there's some there's some issues with that. Like I bet he is like George Clooney level suave and mm. debonair in a French movie. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, Suave and Devonair and something like uh, what was the movie with Natasha Henstrand she did towards oh I don't uh, not Double Impact Replicant? no 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 that well he he takes the we're not talking about it anyway but we're not and we're not a, going to he's talk a little about more Devonair in that movie yeah. but there's the showdown and then he has this cool part in a barn tour he takes a steroid mm-hmm. and then he starts kicking the crap out of Dolph yeah. Lundgren and he has his his military related one liners and everything which has it's Stu's like say goodnight asshole and he's like. Good night, asshole. Yeah. It's like, uh... You forgot to take your medication. Yeah, um, JCVD was never great at one-liners. Well, you give him that intense look, and then he sure. delivers something. Not, you know, not so much a pigeon. Like an <laughs> yeah. hard target. Yeah. You've been uh, discharged, Sarge. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, in hard target when he's like, game over. Yeah. Like, or the hunting, hunting, se- hunting season, hunting season is, is over. over. Like, yeah. that's cool. But like, don't give him too much to yeah. say. Yeah, wrong yeah. bet. Let, let his let his ballet background, mm-hmm. martial artist, kickboxing and taekwondo kicks really speak for who he is. I mean, oh, if yeah. you notice, he rarely punches people in his movies. Like, yeah, if he throws a punch, it, it's a decent punch. It's like but when three he in a row. A kick, yeah. Oh man, his kicks are beautiful. It is a, it's a work of art yeah. and a masterpiece. Like. He um, he lends his his flexibility and his strength to his background in, in ballet, yeah. and then he started training martial arts when he was like twelve or thirteen, yeah. and then became a national competitor. I mean, dude's just I mean, he has a resume that says, yeah, I deserve to be this action star, yeah. and I don't need a stunt double because I can do these things. And uh, you know, his his last trope, which we don't see splits and we don't quite see it, but we see a variation of his three sixty hook kick. Yeah. 
um, which is his 360 split kick. So he, this one he throws a 360 hook kick, and that's the one that delivers Dolph into the uh, harvesting machine yeah. to which, you know, he's stuck inside and, and then gets spit out by, you know, in the back end like yeah. he's thrown into a wood chipper. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was like Fargo all over again. Yeah, exactly. Just <laughs> But, uh, you know, he, throw, he throws this nasty spinning yeah, hook kick, 360 nice. spin hook kick, and it just blasts Dolph's character into the thing. And, and to be honest, it's not a Jean-Claude movie if he doesn't throw some type of a jumping spin kick. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. His signature is the split kick, and it's the one. If you've you've seen it, you know exactly what it looks like because it's literally doing a kick with the splits in the air. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. he jumps and spins with it. Yeah. He does it in almost every movie. He didn't in this one. I was a little disappointed, but you know, he redeemed himself with with some of the other stuff yeah. he got to do. It's, in it, so. it's so fun to watch. Yeah, and and Dolph is dead now, and he Jean Claude Van Damme kind of limps his way over to where. Um, Veronica's uh, laying in a heap, and which she she did not die. Yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> and like she she's she's alive after taking a grenade. Yeah, um, and then the movie ends with them embracing, and body count comes on over yeah. the credits. Yeah, the one the one licensed song in this movie is a body count song. So yes. I T's metal band. Never heard that song before the movie. I did not know what it was. I heard it and I was like, man, where was this at when yeah. I was in high school? Exactly. The lift weights. Like, this, is awesome. like, this is awesome. Because all it is is body count. But, and then you have like metal There's music like, and a guitar yeah. solo. So mm-hmm. it's like, man, that's all you need. Yeah. That's all you need. That, however, is it's what it's the theatrical ending. It's mm-hmm. the ending they went with. They wanted to create sequels. There's an alternate ending yeah. that, which and, actually and, has a nice finality to it, as a, yeah. as if it, if this were just one its own yeah. self-contained. Story. So what happens is everything plays out almost identical to the original ending. Um, in the in the theatrical ending, mm-hmm. Luke um is looking at like, like we know Dolph Lundgren's there because like mm-hmm. the lights go out and Luke's farm in his parents' farmhouse, yeah. and he like he's suspect of what's happening. And in the theatrical ending. Um, he like sees the kitchen that there's furniture strung about yeah. and there's um, the, the gas stove is like on fire yeah. and he says parents are both being held captive in the barn. Yeah. Well, in the alternate ending, he opens up the door to his parents' farmhouse and his mom's standing there. Then all of a sudden she's shot from behind by Dolph mm-hmm. Lundgren and he has he's like, like, sorry to hear about your mom. Yeah. He's like, Ooh, got her like something like that and you just see like the sight on a Mm -hmm. scope that's like now on luke um so everything plays out the same and like like everything is like beat for beat and i was like to matt is anything like what's alternate about this besides his mom getting shot yeah and then after him and veronica embrace we see his father in the movie rance howard and he has a shotgun he's like he's like father he's, he's like dead and his father shoots him and uh and like veronica's going crazy she's like what are you doing what and then pull and then cars come pulling up as like his father's standing there with a serious look on his face and then dr gregor dr gregor comes out and all these people who who are now working on the unisol project start blowing him away yeah because he's like we had to we had to set you up you know he's like so we could get you and shaw in the same place he's like i'm sorry luke we had to set you. We had to set you up so we could get you and you know, yeah, yeah Dolph Lundgren yeah. in the same place. So those weren't his actual parents. Yes, yeah. they're like we had to make it seem like he actually, you know, he actually came home to his parents. Yeah, yeah the the truth is he didn't really know those people, and yeah. he's given all this exposition to Veronica, and like, um, essentially they want to redo the Unisol project and correct. 
the problems they had yeah. and make sure they don't have this repression come up and mm-hmm. cause and this to happen again. But and then the cops, then pull the up, police show up, start arresting yeah. Dr. Gregor and all the all yeah. the people who are going to start because working on the it. the Unisol project is all done underground. Yeah. Um, and so the cops show up and arrest him, and then we see Veronica's boss, the 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 station director. He's like Veronica, we're like, live. We you know? like we're. He hands her a microphone. He's like, when you, when you didn't show up at the sheriff's office, we got we got like worried, and we called the police, and we found out you were here. So essentially, um, like he's like Veronica, here do the like do the you're live, you're live, do the story, yeah. and she's like giving this information like um like you know doctor. So, you, so you know, Gregor, what you're witnessing is the arrest of Dr. Gregor for the attempted murder of Luke Devereaux. Yeah. And she's and like, you know what? I can't do she's this. She's like, I can't do this. And she goes down and like starts embracing Luke. And then um, it fades out and it fades in. And there's a voiceover from um, Veronica. She's like, you know, Luke Devereaux, you know, uh, you know, actually re- was able to reunite with yeah. his parents, if only just for a little bit. Um, and he's like, he he denied any treatment to help him de-age. Yeah. Um, so like, uh, with the essentially him and Veronica, like, get are like together until Luke passes away he, at yeah. the at the right age. He's supposed yeah, to. Yeah. He pass wa- away. he wanted to die because that means he's experiencing life yeah and i was like that's a that's a nice ending yeah and it makes this kind of it it kind of helps the veronica character too Mm -hmm. that she's kind of taking it upon her to to really spend time with luke she's talking about what like a good kind of gentle man he was and then the ending of the movie fades out on the two of them he's it's still jean-claude van damme but he's supposed to be like this 50 60 year old guy yeah and she's still her age and they're just walking along the water side yeah you talk about uh, alternate endings because I I've not I did not know that before now that they had alternate endings so now I'm gonna have to go watch those yeah and you know hearing you guys talk about it they sound interesting it is uh, you know and they could have continued the movie if they you know it would have almost allowed for a uh, a better a better setup for a different character to take yeah mm-hmm. exactly but uh, we're wrapping up yeah um, but I do I did write I wrote down some pros and cons. Uh, of this movie and then Tyler will we'll get into our rating system after I name my pros and cons because we we've been rating things uh, on a muscular butt scale so we, we will give a movie a certain amount of muscular butts out of five so Lionheart was three butts out of five hard targets five butts out of five so as I'm giving my pros and oh yeah it's great mm-hmm. as I'm giving my pros and cons be thinking about what how you would rate this movie out of beautiful muscular butts um so some pros I had: Dolph Lundgren chews the scenery. Mm-hmm. Um, JCVD's robotic acting works as a robot. Um, however, like I said before, it's it's his bad acting is more fun when he's trying to right. act. Yeah. Um, the movie poster for this movie's badass. Yeah. Because oh, the it... Unisols look cool, and just the the image of a staggered JCVD and and uh, mm-hmm. Dolph Lundgren. They're not centered. Right. Exactly. Um, Unisol transport pursuit. So the police bus and the uh, and the Unisol transport, yeah. and uh, and I wrote down why didn't Jean Claude and Dolph Lundgren do more movies together? Like whether they were in opposition of each other or they worked, you know, maybe they had characters that worked together. Mm-hmm. I was like, because these two, it this is this is a fun pairing. Yeah. Um, which also kind of a fun fact at the 1992 Cannes Film Festival. Mm, yep. They the both of them like. The, the one of the big stories was that the two of them were on the red carpet and they got into like a physical dispute 
And then years later, Dolph, Dolph Lundgren was like, oh, yeah, we set that up yeah. like to help promote the movie. <laughs> so I was like, uh, very, very slick, guys. And then the cons were Veronica constantly has to be snarky. She doesn't have very many moments of vulnerability to make us care. Uh, kooky side characters, just kind of forced comedy. And then when she says in the police, and then she, when she says in the chase, I'm not going anywhere without you. At that point in the movie, there was nothing to suggest that she cared that deeply about mm-hmm. Luke. So yeah. I thought that was kind of as shaky delivery. It was kind of misplaced. So yeah. those are my pros and cons. Mm-hmm. And if we want to turn it over to Tyler, we're going to rate this movie on a muscular butt scale. So out of five muscular butts, what do you give Universal Soldier? Oh, unfortunately, gentlemen, it's a 2.5 out of 5 for me. Half a cheek. Uh, Half a cheek. He gets half a cheek because his derriere is sculpted like a Greek god. But, yeah, it it wasn't my favorite. Honestly, it it is a B-rate movie. Um, Unfortunately, it's on the low end of those B-rate movies as opposed to um, that. And I think I was originally let down, um, and this is my bias, because I had... I had remembered seeing the second one, <laughs> right. uh, which which is you know which was shot on the precipice of the millennium, so it had a little bit more technology mm-hmm. to it, um, a little bit more of an update, and and honestly, it had a uh, a cast that could actually act. Right. Sure. I mean, you got Michael J. White, who's not half bad. You got Bill Goldberg, who infamous wrestler yeah. and actually knows how to act and, and carry on a charismatic show. Yeah, yeah. So. Did you have times where you're watching this movie and something stupid happened and you're like, Goldberg wouldn't have done that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, it's so funny that you said two and a half because as I was watching the movie, I'm like, how am I going to rate this? Like, there's not enough here for me. To, there's not enough here for me to say it's really rewatchable. It's kind of parceled out, mm-hmm. like the really, really badass yeah. moments. Um, a lot of it is just it's the pursuit it's the veronica's like like really okay you just stop being so frantic offset oh excuse me offset with you know the stoicism of jean claude mm-hmm. so that dynamic wasn't really that great and i like that you said two and a half because in my mind i was like i wouldn't exactly give this three stars because i wouldn't put it on my enjoyment level of Lionheart, mm-hmm. but I don't know if I'd give it two. I think I'm going to go two and a half. I think. Yeah. So I like that you said two and a half muscular mm-hmm. butts because <clears throat> my rating would also be two and a half muscular butts. Right. Dolph Lundgren's performance doesn't do quite enough to pull it up the three. Yeah. It's, it's a fine, it's a fine, yeah. Tyler have said it numerous times. It's a fine, it's B, a standard it's a fine watch. B movie. Yeah. If you like Jean-Claude Van Damme mm-hmm. movies, this yeah. is one's, this one's a standard. You can do worse. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, of course. But it's, I mean, it's, it's a cool concept. Uh, you have a few good performances. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I think also plus Jerry Orbach. Jerobach sure. kind of raises yeah. the gravitas of it. Yeah. Um, at least the one scene he was in. I think if they would have gone with the alternate ending, it might have been a little better just as a self-contained movie. Yeah. But also you can still leave it open for a sequel. Sure. Um, but I think those are good ratings. Uh, I also think that, Tyler, this was a great appearance from you. Thank you so much for yes. rejoining us again. Thank you for all you've done with the Radcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can't wait to have you on Sucktastic Cinema for sure. Gentlemen, it has been a pleasure, and as long as you'll have me, I will set up the time to be here for you and discuss whatever is in the wheelhouse to discuss. Uh, That being said, 
to all the RedCast listeners out there from me, who was blessed to be the first guest and and I I believe one of the last guests, Mm -hmm. not the last guest, but one of the last guests for now. Uh, thank you so much for having me and for sitting through our brotherly rants yes. about movies because yes. I don't have a memory from my childhood or high school or teenage years that don't include you two. Yes. Same, same, same. 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 It's, we it's cherish your brother, absolutely. your brotherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, we cherish our relationship with you. Mm-hmm. And uh, we definitely love having you on because these episodes can go a lot longer, but yeah. we spare all of you and make it an abridged version of what our typical conversations are. Yeah. Um, but thank Usually you there's all. also beer involved. Yes, there's also beer involved. Absolutely. Um, but again, thank you so much, Tyler. Thank you, everybody who mm-hmm. listened. Um, next week is it. Um, yeah. We're going to try. We really want to pull the strings and get who get our last guest. Um, we're going to probably contact him tonight to see what's yeah. up and what's not up. Yeah, exactly. Um, he's, a, he's a working man, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see what we can do. And uh, we'll see what we can do for all of you. But until then, be good to yourselves, be good to each other, because why would you want to be rude when you could be rad? We'll see you next time. This concludes our broadcast day.